Nightcaps of the Living Dead. Ordering off the menu. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone! And tonight we're discussing the menu. I just have to point out, even though you cannot see it, you cannot taste it, but I want you to enjoy the menu that Gia has put together right now. Yes. Yeah, so right in front of us, I put together a little selection of delicious snacks. So we have our selection of cheeses, and then we have this fabulous wine called the Fabulist. Goes very well with our movie, since Ralph Fiennes' character, the chef, says he's a storyteller with a kind of foods that he presents to the people. He tells some stories, all right, some very scary stories with his uh, pairings. It also has a very Silence of the Lambs logo. So, I I showed up. (laughs) We were recording from Fabulous Studio City at G's apartment. And the first thing I I saw when I saw this wine bottle, he's like, I have some bottles for the menu tonight. Yes. And I saw these (laughs) bottles. I'm like, we have to get the one that has the Silence of the Lambs moth on it. And... (laughs) I, I just I'm gonna post this on our Instagram because the the picture is really cool. But also it's a little uh it's a little double metaphor, no? Because Ray Fines is in Red Dragon. Yes, and I, oh, I was gonna say the other fabulous um, artistic work of art that is the series Hannibal oh. with Mads Mikkelsen. Mads. Uh, so I figured it would be a perfect pairing with the menu, which I think two movies that involve the art of cooking and killing. Um, so tonight we are discussing The Menu. This movie, it has these really funny themes. Sometimes it hits you over the head with it. They don't flesh out the characters too much. Mm-hmm. It's just a little commentary. You go, oh yeah, I know that guy. Or, ooh, maybe I'm part of the problem. Maybe I identify with that character. And the the, the writers, Seth Rice and Will Tracy, are comedic writers. Seth is a comedy boy. He's from Comedy Bang Bang. He does a lot of Onion stuff. Um, Will Tracy is a writer for Last Week Tonight. Oh. And also succession. So interesting. This right? is very succession-y, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and isn't it? Is it Will Tracy or the other guy who went with his wife to a restaurant yes. in Denmark, and that's similar to the restaurant depicted in this in this movie? That and little that vacay was, dinner started this entire yes. thing. And apparently, and then they went to other. There's other places around the world that have like island restaurants like this one. So this is based on real shit, mm-hmm. real Michelin star places, where of course you don't die, but, but the food is but to die for. Maybe you do. We haven't been to. Maybe these you places. die inside for all the money, <laughs> all the money that you had to pay for your little piece oh. of sushi. Um, so yeah, so I think this movie to me is. A horror movie. I actually, when I was watching it this time, I don't know, there's the satire, there's the dark comedy, and we've done dark comedies in this podcast, right? We did Gremlins, Jawbreaker. we did Jawbreaker. But I actually felt that this was, I saw some Saw vibes here. Like, Ray finds as pure jigsaw with the way he designs everything to teach people a lesson. But what's interesting is that they don't have the opportunity to survive the way. So actually, he's worse than Jigsaw Uh, in many ways. I'm going to add on to that. This, to me, is his most diabolical character that he's ever played. And this is from the man who has played a serial killer in Red Dragon. He has played He Who Shall Not Be Named. In Harry Potter. Voldemort. <gasps> don't say, don't summon him. Oh, summon him? Okay, shit, It's like fuck. Macbeth. Like, don't do that. Um, and then the biggest bad of them all in Schindler's List. Amen. Amen goeth. And, um, and yet, this performance is chilling with how depressed he is. Um, the little slivers of humanity he once had and then lost. And just how 
apathetic he is now. It was so depressing to watch. Yeah, and I think I, it's it's. I think he says at some point is when the per, the artist who has lost their soul or their ability to um, create to create. Oh, I had big notes about you in that one. I and knew so, who you were thinking yeah, about at that point. <laughs> yeah, and well, we'll get we'll get into it, but. At the beginning of the movie, let's start at the beginning. First all right. of all, we have this delicious cast of characters led by the fabulous Anya Taylor-Joy, who you might know from the hit Netflix TV series. The Queen's Gambit. Yes. Loved it. Um, I'm really bad at chess. I do like playing chess, but I'm not great at it. She was, this show is spectacular. I mean, it. It, it, I mean she's Jeez. already become a household name, not only in horror, but also in drama. I think mm-hmm. she's a scream queen because mm-hmm. she started her career in The Witch, mm-hmm. then went on to star in M. Night Shyamalan's Split. And last year, before or after this movie, I can't remember, around the same time, she also starred in Edgar Wright's The Last Night in Soho. Which has a fantastic soundtrack. I really liked that one. That was That's a... really, really. So she's kind of like an art housey horror person. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's here to stay. She's also from Argentina. Okay, yeah. I remember whenever she hosted SNL and she busted out the Spanish. And I, I was like, what? The white girl? What? I was so confused. I texted you and you knew that. Yes. So her, she was. She grew up in Argentina. Spanish is actually her first language, just like me. Um, but she was actually born in Miami out of accident. So her parents were just vacationing. like you. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, because she was born in Miami, she was there for like a week, just as a little baby. She guessed she got American citizenship, even though she's not what? American. How does that? It, even there's like work? this weird law with your, with, you know, your papa baby in the, in the states. You pop a baby at the states. <laughs> like they have citizen. You can reclaim. You can claim your citizenship, even though her citizenship is actually from Argentina. Wow. Okay, we have Anya leading the the charge, and then we have my boy Nicholas Holt. I wrote in my notes, G's ex-boyfriend, <laughs> yes, Nicholas. There was a time where he was obsessed with this boy. And I think it came back for a little bit and then it went away. I think, you know, well, he was, it's your first Hollywood love, I guess. Of course. And we also have Jean Leguizamo. I was so from Colombia. I love John. No, he's Puerto Rican. No, he's from Colombia. That's Yes. A lot of people think he's Puerto Rican, <gasps> but he's not because he's played a lot of Puerto Rican characters. You blew my his mind. He's from Colombia. Yes. Well, we have adopted him, the Puerto Ricans, because, you know. Because he's rad. Yes. But he's actually from Colombia. Like my mom. My mom was born in oh, Colombia, so he's still part mom. of me. What if John is your half-brother? Yes. It would make a lot of sense to me, honestly. <laughs> um, so John Leguizamo based his role on Steven Seagal because they worked together on this movie called Executive Decision. I'm sure everybody saw that, right? <laughs> I've never heard of this movie. You've never heard of it? I have never heard of this movie. Like an eighty, like a nineties, one of those action movies. Yeah, I remember this. You know, like the the Rock, what the Rock does now, stuff like that. Like, do you know those? Like, I just don't understand. Was a thing. It was a thing in the yeah, like that, like under siege. Um, So apparently, and we're. We're quoting verbatim what he said. He said that Steven Seagal was not a very pleasant person. He called him a horrible human being. And he based his entire character around his perception of Steven Seagal. Not, I don't know, I don't know Steven Seagal personally, but this is what John said. He doesn't radiate a kumbaya energy. <laughs> Even though I know he likes to walk around with his, you know, long ponytail and, you know, dashikis and everything and... He's he does seem kind of cheesy, uh, but if if you're mean to John Leguizamo, I mean, what's your problem? Come <laughs> yes. on, you deserve it. You deserve what to did be. Stephen, do to John. Um, uh, have you ever had a horrible run-in with a celebrity? 
You and I have had some good ones. Uh, we could go. We could do a, a special like episode. Like a bad one where you're like, ooh. The this one was, that burned this, you. Did you do this you This did one? not go the way I thought it was going to be. No, not really. Um, well, I've heard good. things. Okay. But not directly. I have one, and I wouldn't even call it a celebrity. Because I, I oh, like shit. that John Leguizamo says it's Steven Seagal. Because who is Steven Seagal in this world? You know? <laughs> um... I, back in my waitressing days at California Pizza Kitchen, CPK, at the Beverly Center, uh, I waited Another on... Another restaurant. <laughs> Going with the theme. Ours did not have that elevated of a menu. I feel like we're just putting weird shit on pizzas. You know, here's some avocado and some bacon, and it's a BLT pizza. You know, it's just weird. Um, the kid that was Peter Brady and the Brady Bunch movie, not the series, not oh. a legit sitcom series regular... The kid that was cast to be Peter Brady in the Brady Bunch movie was such a dick to me that it lasted, it, it, it imprinted for years. I remember just being so young and just kind of being like, okay, let me take your order. And granted, I was not a good waitress, but he just made a big deal. He said, oh, d- don't you know who I am? I'm like, no, do you want a water? Do you want well, a was Coke? Was he like the tech guys in the movie? <laughs> The, the awful kinda he was that mixed with uh, Faye Dunaway which I did meet Faye Dunaway she at same CPK she went to the takeout and my friend Jonathan who was just a really fun adorable person he's putting away things in the bag and then she wanted a uh, a bowl of soup as opposed to a cup of soup and he got the wrong order and she just said do you know who I am and took the oh soup my. and <gasps> threw it across the restaurant and then Are she you stormed out no <laughs> Oh my god! And I went, "Who was that?" He's like, "Methadone Crawford, right then and there from Mommy Dearest." Uh, Oh my god! I would have loved to have seen the entire (gasps) the entire month. We just kept quoting to each other. We're like, "Don't you know who I am?" So, um, I've seen her at Hugo's in West Hollywood. She was having a meeting with also some young guys, and she was like a power meeting, but she seemed insane. Did she say, "Don't fuck with me, fellas"? (laughs) Almost. So anyways, the Peter Brady kid, I didn't even want to know his name. He just, he was so mean to me and they didn't tip me on top of their bullshit pastas. And um, I looked him up for this episode to go, what is he doing now? I mean, if you're, if you're not great in this town, you can be replaced, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, kid doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. <laughs> the he lesson is, for celebrities is be nice be to nice. your people. Moving on. So, so Johnny Wazama, so the next character Le- is. Johnny Wazama. Then we have Janet McTeer. Janet McTeer. Who, who plays the, the, the food critic. Mm-hmm. I She's love amazing. her in this. The amazingly talented Hong Xiao, who took this role, was apparently a very underwritten part. Mm-hmm. Um, and made it her own. She wrote the part, most of what you see in the movie. She oh. added a lot to the role. Wow, yeah, because I um, saw her in a few interviews, um, and most of you at home would know her from The Whale and Downsizing. I loved her in Downsizing. Yes, yes. Oscar-nominated, lovely, and in these interviews, she is so friendly and engaging, and then re-watching this, I thought, oh my God, you are this cold, this stone-cold yeah, bitch. fuck with her. <laughs> I'm scared of her. Elsa. Elsa. Um, and of course, we have the gay icon Judith Light. Judith Light, which I, I think is delicious in this movie. I, I just I love her all around, but I really think she she took the part to heart. Um, this rest, I was starting to say, have you ever been to a restaurant that resembles the restaurant in this show? Yes. And I have one. What's I have yours? one too. I like a good cheap and dirty meal. I, I look at reviews. I love word of mouth. That's kind of where I go. 
But whenever Jack and I went to Spain, <gasps> mm-hmm. yes. yeah, you gave me that look, you know, <laughs> you know, we went to a spendy place for our holiday meal slash his birthday dinner. We wanted to do it up and it was Enigma in Barcelona. Oh and, my God, I'm so jealous. Oh, it was, I am so jealous. it was phenomenal. And it's a food and wine town and a cool vibe. And even when you go to the airport, there's these pictures of Albert Adria mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> like you must experience him. <laughs> Kind of like how in LA they have Gustavo as the conductor at the, yes. at the film. Like, I will never go, but I know who he is. Um, so we went to Enigma and more so because we saw pictures online and we went, okay, this is, you know, it's a culinary experience, but they advertised it as this elusive culinary amusement park. Kind of what they're doing for the menu here. Yep. And, and you look at pictures and it looks like you're eating at the Wonka factory. It looks crazy. It's it's a set design restaurant. And I love a good set design and I love food. So we went. It was wonderful. I don't think money should be spent that way. <laughs> I'm glad I did it. And all my references to the menu kind of went back to that dining experience. experience. So mine is actually here from LA. Is the Bazaar by Jose Andres, oh. also from Spain. Jose Andres, I Jose love Andres him. Is He's a humanitarian man. Yeah. He does a lot for, for so, Puerto Rico, for New Orleans, for any kind of disaster. So he he's sends, like the polar opposite of this character from the menu in many ways. Um, or he, maybe what maybe what he wanted to be. He's the change right. that he's Rafe change, wants to see. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Because he does World Central Kitchen, which yes. helps out with disaster relief. Yes. And so it's okay to go and spend some money on him because... I, actually, I I went with my parents. We've been I've been there three times. I did it at my, one of my anniversaries with Jim. I think it was the five-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And then I took my parents for a Christmas dinner. Oh. And then they, my mom was like, this is the meal of my life. Aww. So then the next time they came, I took her again. <laughs> and it was just as good. It's now unfortunately gone. It's yeah. closed. Um I believe they have one somewhere else in the U.S., maybe in Vegas. Oh. Didn't you and I go to his restaurant in Vegas when we went to see Britney no. Spears? And we had something at the bar? Yes. That was him? Yes, but we didn't go to the restaurant. We just sat at the bar and got like oh, snacks I and remember some, that. Some I remember eating there and really liking the the. Ambiance. I forget what the name is, but yeah, that's we, we did. Um, and then there's a restaurant in Barcelona as well called Tickets, which has now oh. been renamed Teatro. Yeah. And that one's very similar to Months what you're Months in advance yeah. to even get a reservation. And then even then, it's like, what, $300 a head? You have to it's prepay insane. something crazy. Did you try? We've been very lucky. The first time we went to Barcelona, we somehow got someone canceled. And it was like August when everyone's on vacation. And we found an opening someone for the next died. day. died. You took a dead yeah. man's seat. Maybe it went down like this. Maybe somebody died at their appetizer. And they said, but, hey, we could get you in. And they have like movie stuff in the ceiling. They have like an alien. Oh. And it's very Willy Wonka-ish. Of well, this sounds like Planet Hollywood. It's, but, but the Spanish. <laughs> it's not quite Planet Hollywood. It has like a more Buñuelian vibe. It's okay. more surreal, more Dali. Did the back of the, the house greet you on your way in? Did you see the people preparing your food? Yeah, and in, in, in the, when we were having dinner at the bazaar, you're by the kitchen, but it looks like something out of the movie Tron. It's like the, the tables are lit. You are doing nothing to not convince me this is Planet Hollywood. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not Planet Hollywood. <laughs> no, this is the bazaar, the one here. Okay. No, no, no. This looks like like Tron meets the Death Star from Star Wars. It's crazy. Mm. And it's, it's really difficult to describe. And you it's have like Daft like Punk as your chef? Yes. Daft Punk or a J-Lo video. Like that kind of vibe. And then the, the kitchen's in the background. 
And so you do see them, yeah. You do, like in this movie, you do see the kitchen and them at work. So at which is interesting. At Enigma, they came out and they were standing in a in a line. Were they standing in a line for you, or you just you just see them? You just view them. I just see them, and then they come and they bring you things. So the menu follows Anya Taylor Joy and your ex boyfriend Nicholas Holtz. They go to a very secluded island, mm-hmm. and it's full of really spoiled, unlikable people. Anya turns out to be the most enjoyable and likable one, not just because of the casting and who she is, but um, she's she's us in this journey. She kind of throws a side eye at the pretentiousness of this, and she remarks about it from from the from get-up. the very beginning, yeah. She's, she's the outsider of this bourgeois crowd who are all like their noses up their ass about this culinary experience they're entering. I'm going to say off the bat, when I was rewatching this, I got some Jurassic Park vibes. This is the, the selected group of people who get to experience the dinosaurs before everyone else. Uh-huh. So it almost creates that ominous vibe. Oh my God, they're going to be eaten by the, at the park, right? At the, so um, we get this interesting dynamic of Nicholas is a super foodie. He is geeking out over this chef as they're waiting for the boat to pull off and go to this excluded island. She's smoking. She's, you know, she seems like a down-home girl. She seems cool. He said, oh, don't smoke. It's going to ruin your palate. She could give a fuck. And what I really appreciated is they, the, the guy comes out. He said, all aboard for Hawthorne. I never even cared about the name of the restaurant the first time around. I was so engrossed with the commentary. But, um... Hawthorne. I oh. I went through. Oh, one. We're basing this off of Nathaniel Hawthorne's uh-huh. literature. It's all about commentary on social graces, on the caste system in America, especially. Uh, we have Scarlet Letter. We have House of the Seven Gables, and then also Hawthorne in California. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. And I have a little factoid here for you. So Hawthorne is not a great area That's in what LA. I and the rate of crime is about the same as the average U.S. city, but Hawthorne is in the 48th percentile for safety, meaning 52% of cities are safer and 48% of cities are more dangerous. So, so it's right in the middle. It's a class ah. divide, right? <gasps> That's very, very, very interesting. Right. Okay, so, okay. And this movie, this movie is all about the death of the middle class. It's all about... Uh, millionaires parading around trying to build businesses, quote unquote, build businesses and take over. Um, it's about lack of um, food sustainability, about mm-hmm. food safety. There's a lot going on in this movie for such a comedic romp. Yeah, that made me and, and that, again, that's why it's an environmental film. And that's why, like I said, when they get on that boat and they're ferrying into the island, I got really strong Jurassic Park vibes. You know, they're, they're, they're at an island. They're taking an exotic tour. I get that. Right? Who are you that you get to experience this? And I do mention it, it's what, 1200 ahead? Yes. To enjoy this? Yes. And so that that idea that, the, that they're consuming nature, right? Which gets brought up, especially with that initial dish once they get to the mm-hmm. actual restaurant, the one that's called, is it called the sea or the, the ocean? I don't remember what well, the name we'll of the dish is. Yeah. But um, the idea that you are consuming something. That's going to consume you, right? Ooh. And so probably there's a lot of commentary. There's a commentary on art, right? And the idea that artists try to be pure with what they represent, but then they end up becoming part of the system. A slave of the system. Yeah, where they're selling to rich people at auctions and shit, and you're in museums, and just mm-hmm. part of these like really the kind of disgusting class of people that mm-hmm. don't really understand the art that you're putting out there mm-hmm. you only become famous because oh somebody told them that you're precious but no one really knows the artistry behind it and the same thing happens with this chef right mm-hmm. 
he's he's feeding people that don't actually appreciate what he does. Um, which is interesting because the only person who does is little Nicholas Holt because he's also a kind of wannabe chef. He, so well, speak, no, he's right? a fanboy. He's not a wannabe chef. He's a fanboy. He just loves the culture. He is the quintessential foodie. And he, it's also a commentary on fame, the emptiness mm-hmm. of fame, because he wants to take pictures of the food just to kind of brag that this is what I did. Even when we were at Enigma, I took one picture and kept it for my own because I just feel like, why? why? What are you doing when you're sharing a picture of that? Um, so they, they first eat the oysters in the boat, right? That's the first dish. And I want to point out, I didn't know this for the rewatch. It is filmed in my home state of Georgia. <gasps> yes, I... And yes. it's all up in Savannah, and they go to Jekyll Island, which, I mean, I, I really love Jekyll Island. There's this whole uh, little gaggle of islands. Um, my favorite one being Cumberland. That's my favorite place on Earth. And then it's New Orleans. Cumberland Island is my favorite. Spent many a time as a kid there. But Jekyll does have a very rich, posh country club upon. Oh. Yeah, so it has, like, this cool wilderness, but then it also has this very, like, mm, this kind of... Okay, so... They get to the island. It's kind of like a Gilligan's Island feel, these, this cast of characters. They don't flush them out. You just look at them and you're like, oh, you're the, the rich waspy people. You're the tech bros. Um, you're the snobby critic. Yeah. Um, and then so- you're the name-dropping egomaniac Steven Seagal actor-director. <laughs> yes. And so, um, yeah, they get this exotic tour where they learn about the scallops that they're going to eat later. Farm and to table, farm ocean, to table. ocean to counter. And they have like a kind of like otherworldly experience where like they see the things that they're going to eat. And literally the first course that they have is inspired by the tour, right? By mm-hmm. everything that they saw on their tour. It's like little, given to them a little plane on a rock. So after that quick tour, they also include the staff's quarters, which are original. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which, is, which feels like a military camp. If I wrote that. It <laughs> feels militant. Yes. They. It looks like they barracks. They wake up at 5 a.m. They sleep right next to each other. They like All their toothbrushes are by their bedside. So it's you all... get this cult mentality of what it is to work in a regimented kitchen. And also the superiority ranks. So they get to the restaurant. I, I kind of... Okay, you know I'm an ambiance. Person, yes, right? you are an ambiance person. I didn't like the tables. To me, the tables were a little sparse, and I know they're going, it's all about the food well, or whatever. Minimalist. Very minimalist. I like, you know, the glass. You love couches. Uh, nine yeah, out of ten times, like, you're like, where's the booth? You will go for the booth. It's too uncomfortable. I felt like the seating was too uncomfortable. And you don't like sitting at bars, do you? I like sitting oh, at I bars. Oh, I know. I like sitting at bars. Okay, I, I love like, me some bars. No, whatever you eat. I feel like you and I have sat at bars to drink and have an app, but to eat. I feel like oh, no, no. To eat, I like to see. be. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I like to be cozy. Got it. Um, but yeah, these tables, I was like, okay, it's a little sparse. It's a little, but I mean, I guess the whole point is that they're supposed to focus on the food and they're looking at the kitchen and they have this beautiful backdrop with this lake. Or is it the ocean? I don't know if it's or a bay. No, it's I don't the ocean, know. yeah. It's the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the Atlantic bay. Ocean, yeah. And then we meet the old lady in the corner, which is my favorite character in this movie. Because she's drunk? Um, because she's just hitting it, hitting the wine. And she's like, us. Oh, so I'm just going to drink. So you saw yourself in this movie, but not as one of these yes. characters that are part of the problem. Um, she was part, well, she was an inspiration for yes. chefs, turns out. And to me, she reminds me of Magda from Sex and the City for some reason. Oh, Do you remember Magda? Yes. She's like, oh, I'm Magda in the corner. She's like hitting the sauce. Like, fuck this. We're dying. I'm drinking. <laughs> I loved her. 
Um, and so, of course, this is, I don't know if you looked up this fact, or, but each table represents one of the seven deadly sins. Did you know You this? know what? Okay, so I don't know if each table did. I got it with the pairings of people. Because I know that each one had, that's getting too far ahead, but I noticed it later with the pairings of people. I thought, oh, we're in seven all of a sudden. So like what we mentioned with the chefs all lined up meeting their guests or their victims as they enter the kitchen, uh, your ex-boyfriend, Nicholas Holt Tyler, <laughs> Tyler starts making small talk with one of the chefs as he's working. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this. Uh, I know a Paco Jet. And the Paco Jet becomes such a running joke in this movie. It just mm. made me laugh so much because um, a Paco Jet, is just a, it's a professional kitchen appliance and it retails for about $6,000. Holy shit. At least at the time of this movie, it did. So it was reserved for what the... What the fuck is it? I was... <laughs> Um, Jack has like a, a spinoff of one. He has like the off-brand one where you can make a bananas and ice cream. It's like really, it makes the texture super fluffy. Um, it does this micro pureeing of deep frozen foods. It's, oh. it tastes like snow. I mean, it's, it's delightful, but, um, it's essentially a blender and it functions like a drill press, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, fascinating. But so, but okay. Paco Jets at this time when this movie came out were reserved for the, ultra wealthy who had personal chefs so so tyler is dropping knowledge of paco jet and this and this just anything to to be you know he talks the talk mm-hmm. kind of thing like he he's in the know um and he's geeking out over ray fines like you get immediately he's just a fanboy. and then there's the mystery where ray fines starts looking at their table and he thinks narcissistic as he is exactly. that he's looking at him and oh my god he sees me oh my god he sees the, me the person he's noticing is Anya Taylor-Joy because as we come to find out he recognizes mm. someone like himself yes right and I think again the reason this movie works is the amazing chemistry between Anya and Rafe yeah they have this the eye moment that's just shocking and you go immediately as a viewer you go oh wait a minute oh do they have a past and is he upset that she's here? You, you can't quite read his face because he's a masterful actor. Um, my favorite thing about the entire movie are these title cards for <laughs> the meals. They are so cheeky. They start out very professional at first, so first course and second course, and they give you this beautiful Top Chef Bravo food placement. They just show, they show this gorgeous dish put together and then the ingredients of the dish, and then later as the movie escalates a commentary so our first one is a muse bouche a muse bouche it's a bite-sized right. hors d'oeuvre and so food critic janet is already rolling her eyes <laughs> she's already hard to impress she is one of those and then and we have Margot already telling tyler is it okay if i'm not as into this as you she's already side-eyeing she's skeptical we're with her so we have the amuse bouche then the first course Rafe finds, snaps everyone to attention. He welcomes us all to the party. He strips it down that they're going to be eating ecosystems. Yes. He begs everyone not to eat, but to taste. Which already you go, oh, I know what kind of restaurant these guys are at. (laughs) Um, So for him, eating is pedestrian. And so he gasses everyone up into feeling that they are special. Mm -hmm. They're so special for being there. And this is, the first course is the island. So it looks like a little cute volcano. Yes, the rock. <laughs> the rock. The it's adorable. It's really cute. With the, with the no, not shrimp, with the... The scallop. The scallop on top, yes. So Tyler, he's super excited. He's like, those are the scallops we saw earlier. We're walking in the ocean. That's, oh my God. Um, <laughs> and then Chef reminds everybody that they're not important. 
I like that he tables everybody pretty quick. Um, what happens in this room is meaningless. You, you already feel that he's ha- he's burnt out. He's having some existential dread. Um, he says the room is like meaningless compared to nature, and nature is timeless. Gives this whole speech, and then Tyler just weeps. He weeps <laughs> at his hero Rafe. Um, and then he takes a pick of the food, even though he's told not to. Um, and even though the irony, since he's the only one who knows what's actually going to happen, taking the pictures is a completely futile attempt. Which, which is I, very interesting. I forgot about that. Yeah. So he, which which oh. goes to the meaningless of people taking pictures. Let's talk about this for a second. We live in of a culture. Of taking pictures in general? Just like, you know, social media, posting pictures. Like people take pictures of everything and they take they go to a concert and they take videos of the concert without actually experiencing it. And this is why I'm with Madonna a little bit. Mm. You spend a little too much time recording something that you're supposed to be just watching and being at. Mm-hmm. And then you never look at those videos ever again. Come on. Okay, I am, I'm with you. I am with you 90% of <laughs> so this. So it's a very strange thing that people do and are obsessed with these days. The capturing of a memory to save it for later, but they never go back and access it again. I think some people do, actually. I, I agree with you. It's, to me, it's like when people take pictures of fireworks. I'm like, really? You, you got to remember those? Yeah, they look the same. You were there. It's not impressive. Okay, so they have the ocean. <laughs> And again, and I, you mentioned earlier how this movie was about eating the rich mm-hmm. and, and how it's a political satire or, or, or it's not a political satire, a socioeconomic satire, yes. right? About class. All about class. Um, and it's also a kind of allegory, but allegory typically means that people represent ideas, which is they're like stock characters. And yeah. of course, now we know that they also each table like represents a game a of clue. Sin. You see Professor Peacock yes. and Miss White yes. and Miss Scarlet. You, you immediately yes. get without any details. You know who they so are. So the allegory does not come from the characters. It comes from moments like this mm-hmm. where they're, they're eating the ocean and then it's like, okay, is this is an environmental commentary. We're consuming the earth. We're destroying the earth. And this is why Ray finds is depressed. There's the meaning. One of the many reasons he's yeah, lost well, his joy for. He's lost ago. his joy. There's no meaning in his in what he does anymore. He's lost. It's meaningless. His art is meaningless, and oh. it's consumed by people who don't appreciate it. So depressing. And it's it just means nothing. And so, which is what the theme of the menu turns out to be. It's like it's the futility of of nature and the futility of life itself, and that's why they're all, they're gonna pull a. What is it? Heaven's Gate move at the very end. Heaven's <laughs> um, But let's go to course number two. Oh, let's go to course number two. Is this the taco night? No, it is not, <laughs> oh, baby. Okay. I'm getting ahead. Um, so course number two, Rafe comes out with that big clap and everybody snaps to attention. And um, he says, bread. Yep, it's the breadless bread platter, baby. <laughs> the breadless bread basket. This that, is not Red Lobster. There are no cheddar biscuits. This is a gluten-free experience. <laughs> Which, this is where the movie does not turn into horror. This turns into um, a rom-com for Los Angeles. They're like, this is delightful. There are no carbs. <laughs> there. Um, so bread is that of the common man, and he reminds everyone that they're special little snowflakes, and they don't get bread. They just get the breadless bread plate. So they have like little dollops of sauce <laughs> on the dish. <laughs> and I'm sure they serve this in LA. I'm sure they're just like, oh, this you're is not actually, carbs. The, the sad part is that this is a real thing. There's an off-the-cuff comment by one of the tech bros that were like, oh, I guess I'll keep my keto through this. Oh, or something stop like that. it. Yeah. That's really funny. 
you get and the tech guys are there for their investor. They don't have the power, they don't have the money, but they're there for the angel investor that owns the island, that owns Hawthorne, the restaurant. The Jeff Bezos behind it all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I really enjoyed watching um, the subculture in itself because as we know, tech, and as you, you came from Santa Clara, you know it's kind of its own ripple effect on the economy, on the culture. And so having, I thought this movie was really brave to comment oh, on I, that. Oh, I've been at dinner and with these guys next to me in, yeah. in San Jose, in Santa Clara. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real. They're not playing, it's not a joke. And it's we're not saying if you work in really, tech, you're one of these people, because yeah, Jim, exactly. Jim does the, yeah, software development. My partner works and, in yeah. tech. There's not everyone who works in tech. We're not shaming all of you. It's just a certain type of culture about the people who it's the wear American this, psycho capitalist yeah, where this is a, yeah I think it's investment bankers in New York is the right. equivalent of that the people who go to New York they have this they, they think of themselves in a certain like way like they throw around a bunch of power and I'll have you fired and I'll close this place it's like who are you are a minion you work for somebody else yeah and you're expendable right mm-hmm. and so it creates this culture where people think that they're better than they actually are and so the way he starts treating, or the three of them start treating Hong Chao, is like, well, we you know we want our bread, right? In that scene, they're like, well, we're, no, 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 yeah. They're like, we love the conceptualness of everything. This is great, but we're hungry. And can this guy get a gluten free piece? She's like, no. She's like, no. I loved it. And she enjoys it so much. This is why I think she's such a brilliant <laughs> actress. <laughs> I think she brought something more to this that's so great. She's I'm- like, nope. Oh, and then, yeah, she pulls him close and says, I wrote this line down because this oh, was so jarring. Oh, yes. She pulls him close and says, you'll eat more than you desire and less than you deserve. Uh, oh, and then the critic says, I make my own bread. And then she says that she doesn't even use <laughs> yeast. To- <laughs> and then during COVID, everybody was making their bread like sourdough and banana. And I applaud those people, but I didn't do it. No. I ordered off Dardash. So Chef comes to Margot and he says, you haven't touched your food. And she's like, there's no food. I'm looking at a plate of colored dots. You know, there's no bread here. <laughs> so she's defiant. He walks away. So yeah, he, she defies him constantly. And in many ways, he's depressed. And he's basically decided to, you know, murder all these people and commit suicide, right? But she's she's like ruining his suicidal plans. It's like the guy because who's trying to commit orchestra. suicide. This is an orchestra. Of, uh, it's a symphony of food. Mm-hmm. It's a food and wine pairing. He is a control freak. This is how it's going to go down with the epic conclusion. And she's throwing a wrench into all that. And there's a lot of restaurants that go, no, 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 we don't want substitutions. We don't want deletions. We don't care if you want extra sauce on the side. This is how the chef wants it. So you're going to eat it that way. It's very much a control thing. But then everyone else acquiesces and follows the rules they never revolt well it's they compliance try. there's it, a sense of compliance which is a commentary on society yeah they just follow the rule and this is how you know Sheep. dictatorships are built and genocides happen well in the front of a lot of people who don't do anything about it right mm-hmm. how it happened in germany right mm-hmm. here's where we have ray fines again with his reference to schindler's list um i i thought of you during this sequence the taco night no oh. no we're not a taco night yet <laughs> i don't know why i'm obsessed with the taco night i don't have that much we're almost the there night. so the sommelier is coming over and pairing the wine and he goes oh I'm, like he opens it and goes it, i'm going to awaken it from its slumber <laughs> and he's so dramatic about it i'm like this is g's job if you were ever which i worked in the restaurant industry for a while you have not and i feel like you need to 
Really? I would be so bad. No, but you need to do it. No, you you would be hilarious for me just to watch. But the problem is that I am so clumsy and I spill things all over the place. Oh, I spill shit on people all the time. No, I was terrible. I was awful. So this is the third course. Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? It is third course. It is memory. A very memorable Taco Tuesday, which could be some of y'all's Thanksgiving dinners, a Taco Thursday. I would like that. So this is a trauma therapy moment, right? Because it all links back to Rafe's childhood trauma where his father tried to strangle his mom with a phone cord and she stabbed him in his thigh. With some scissors. With some scissors. It's very dead again us. He uh, thanks the critic at this point for putting him on the map with this one dish. Yes. And it's the piece of meat with the scissors in it. And they have the cord decorated as a garnish as or a something. As a garnish around it, which I didn't notice the first time. Same. I had to look that up. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't yeah. know that was there. And? And then the tacos, the tortillas, which I love oh. how Hong Chao says this. It's a tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. She was so munchy She kind of steals. Oh, really? She, she <laughs> steals the movie in this. Yeah. It's a tortilla. And uh, the tortillas have everybody's cardinal sins mm-hmm. printed on the flowery goodness. We have the the tech guys, their Cayman Islands activity on one tortilla. Mm-hmm. Judith Light and her wasp husband, his indiscretions are printed on one. Um, oh, and then, then the tech guys go, oh, I'll have your place closed by tomorrow morning. And, and Elsa goes, oh, that won't be necessary. <laughs> we're like, oh, there is a sense of loom and gloom and doom in this place. Why is she not sweating? Um, Tyler starts raging at Margot. He sees himself taking pictures of the food in the, in the tortilla and, I can't remember what instigated the fight, but he just starts really talking down to her and being aggressive. And then he eats the tortilla and like a little baby boy, he he just eats it and now he's okay. Yeah. He's like, mm, he's like oh, I have a This is the best. You should try this. Oh. He like gives her an insult. He turns really like, nasty. At this point, it's like, get the fuck out of there, girl. You're on a bad date. And like a lot of bad dates that I was on in the 20s, she goes to the, the bathroom and be like, is there a way out of here? Well, that's <laughs> right. She's having her cigarette. <laughs> So now we have the chemistry between Margot and Chef because Ray finds kind of follows her to the bathroom. We see that she's trying to get the fuck out of there on this bad date through the window. He calls her down and um, he says, why won't you eat? Um, He takes his work very seriously. He's just trying to peg her. Go, you're not on the docket. You're not on the reservation list. I don't know who the fuck you are. This menu is very specialized. And at this point, I'm going, do you guys know each other? I, I, you know, the first time I saw this. Second time, I see that like recognizes like, and they're both in the service industry. Yes, um, which is a big theme in this movie. Yes, and right? it's revealed that, not at this point, but it hints at that she is a sex worker. She's a hired escort, and that makes more sense for her and Tyler's dynamic. He says this one line that I didn't quite get the first time, the, the way he delivered it. He says... You shouldn't be here. And it said in this way, I didn't do it justice, but he said, <laughs> you shouldn't be here. And this way that was kind of the warning uh, line from Night of the Living Dead of the coming for you, Barbara. Uh-huh. He gives her a warning. Yeah, and I think it messes him up because he's parting, he's like Jigsaw, right? He has a system. He has a plan. He's parting judgment on these people and themselves mm-hmm. as, as part of that service industry or this, as service workers to provide food mm-hmm. to rich assholes. And so he can't figure her out. I think that's part of it. He recognizes 
something in her that he had forgotten. I think he's been in this world. I'm sure he thinks he's like, like, oh, you you deserve some of my wrath, but for what? Yeah. He's trying to put her in a box. So we have the chemistry between them happening. And then fourth course. Fourth course, G. Is it the mess? It's the mess. It's the mess. People are a little unsettled after Taco Tuesday course of seeing their indiscretions printed. Um, He's so methodic and militaristic. And then he introduces something called the mess, which I think threw me off because it's like, wait a minute, this is like unorganized. It's the the OCD-ness of it all gets thrown out the window for this dish, right? And so this is when you start thinking, whoa, You you thought this the first time? Yeah. See, I knew knew we were about to go to Carnage this time. I I thought the first time viewing this that we're going to go to Cannibal Land. We're going to go to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre dinner. That's what I thought for this the first time. Second time... I saw more of the human torture element of it, of poor Jeremy, mm-hmm. the sous chef Jeremy. And it's Jeremy's dish that does the mess. And um, there's a really cool dimmy dynamic in this, how Rafe talks to Jeremy and he um, talks to him from the side. It's not that dead on um, dimmy shot from Silence of the Lambs, but it's that mm-hmm. dynamic of, I'm going to talk to you very steadily and very coolly and psychologically torment you because his eyes are tearing up. He's looking into space. It's a masterfully crafted acting moment between the two of these people. Oh, speaking of Demi, I have some Demi shots later on. So Jonathan Demi was known for these kind of head-on close-ups where the person's almost like looking straight at camera. Like through you. Um, it's an unsettling shot. It started with Sounds of the Lamb. He does it in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. You know, those Clarice, Hannibal Lecter moments. These kind of shots happen between Anya and Rafe. Oh, that's true. So in a yeah. very Clarice, you know, Hannibal okay. kind of vibe. So I have a, a literally a shot of the lenses and everything I think are the same as Jonathan Demi's. But it happens later on. I think it's when... Uh, long lens on Anya Margot. Oh. It's when the palate cleanser happened when she's having her tea. But we'll it. get to it. I'm going to drink some of my Silence of the Wine. <laughs> Silence of the Wine <laughs> right now. Silence of the Lab Wine. <laughs> How appropriate. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, J- the mess. Jeremy commits suicide and creates a mess on the. Shoots floor. himself in front of everyone. Now we know dinner service is interrupted. People are freaking the fuck out. And then there's half of the room kind of feels like, oh, it's theater. It's an actor. It's like, this is part of the menu. They negotiate. That, yeah. That's how people negotiate their trauma. They go, this isn't happening. Okay. It's, it's their real time. But also a commentary on American society. America is such a big, vast country that we just think, oh, it's not an immediate radius. Not our problem. And yeah, so I think with those many terrible things that keep happening in the last 20 years and it seems to be speeding up. It's almost like, it's not that we're becoming numb, it's that it's one punch, one punch after another. Like when you're living, uh, when the world is horror. So I'm actually going to this panel. I just, I found out today that I was invited to present a paper. How do you talk about horror when now the, the entire world is horror? So before, horror used to be like repressed sexuality. Things in the closet, in the basement, in the attic, and now it's like the whole fucking world. I love it because it does. Horror. It does sound like a moody teenager. But how can you talk about horror when the whole world's horror? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound very emo, but I agree. But so then horror becomes, and in this movie, it becomes our society. It becomes the environment. It becomes you know, it's is not hidden. It's in. It's there. It's in front of you all the time. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you this uh, for the PhD ness of it all. 
you have a wealth of knowledge with the dictatorship in Spain. Mm-hmm. How was this? Um, so this this movie is very much an allegory about dictatorship. Right. And so it humanizes the dictators. That's why I think Ray finds this perfect casting because one of the things that they t- he talked about with Spielberg when he got cast in Schindler's List is like he wanted to show the human side of the most evil person of all, which well, right, is Well, right, because you can't judge your villain. If you're an actor, you cannot just be like, this person's fucking horrible. You have to kind of find some kind of weird moral ground of why they do the things they do. It doesn't have to be exactly. right, but he has to believe that he's doing this for like whatever the fuck his horrible evil character was intending to do. Exactly. He has to intellectualize this. But my question for you is that, do you see this film, The Menu, do you see this as an American problem? Because I took this as a more American movie. It is a... Because we're such oh, a young country. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's like yeah. a poltergeist thing. It's... Because the, 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 the attitude of the people on the, the, the guests... They're entitled. The, their entitlement. They're rich. Their lack of knowledge... The fact that they're doing this for the... The likes. For the likes, yeah. And so uh, food culture in Europe or other countries is very different from this. That is true. So it doesn't... Yeah, this is very much an allegory for the issues that are going on in the United States right now. Absolutely. So Jeremy's mess. It's a meat dish. Mm-hmm. After he blows his brains out, there's bone marrow, there's meats... And the title card appears again. It says it details what's on the plate. And then a little cheeky, R.I.P. Jeremy. <laughs> we go, oh, okay. So again, I thought of you. The sommelier came over with his wine. And he's like, and this one has a barnyard funk. <laughs> Just all this bullshit. So Judith Light and her wasp husband are, you know, they've, they've had these very tense conversations hinting that he's cheating on her. And then they're just like, you know what? After the dead boy, we're out. Let's, we're going to helicopter out. And that's when he goes, oh, okay, honey, I'll handle this. I'll handle this. And then Elsa says, oh, with which hand do you want to handle this with? The left or the right? He's like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, they, they chop off his finger with the wedding ring on it. Um, and Tyler channeling Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. is chowing down as this is happening. He is desensitized. He's just like, mm, can't get enough. This is really like, but then on the second watch, you know, he, already knew he knows what's up. Happen, yeah. So it's very jarring for the first time to watch. You go, why are you so okay with these atrocities happening around you? Um, so he has tunnel vision. But I think, as you were saying, whether this was a very American allegory, it is because it is our relationship to violence, our desensitization to violence, right. which is represented. We are more shocked by sex in cinema than violence. Than violence. And it's the opposite overseas. And for example, just a quick footnote. So I can show a very violent horror film. I showed Pants Labyrinth in my class first week, and the students were totally cool with it. There's a lot of violence in that movie. It's a great film. Mm-hmm. But there's like really hardcore Saw-esque uh, mutilation of people, mm-hmm. right? And it's about dictatorship and this horrible, I mean, it's a very kind of fascist type movie. I show Monster with Charlize Theron and the students could not handle <gasps> the sexual violence. Oh, wow. Did you give a, a I did warning? give a warning and some students left, but they didn't clap at the end. And I was like, and I totally contextualized the whole thing. I even showed an And this interview. happened. This is based yeah, on this a, is a real story. And I even showed an interview with Patty Jenkins and Charlize and how they worked together, how difficult this was, and how they wanted to create. I gave them all the tools to watch this movie. It was too real. And it was too much. Wow. And I think it's not the violence. It's not her shooting all the men. It's that. It's the sexual violence. It's the the gender violence. It's the rape. Yeah. Uh, Which, of course, it's harrowing. And the way it's so, I mean, it's well done in that a lot of it is suggested. 
Mm. You see a lot less than you think you see in the movie, Mm -hmm. which makes it more horrific, right? Your imagination is stronger than what you could show in a movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they... They could not get with it, and I don't know. I, I I love that movie. I think it's so great. This is whenever I realized your seven analogy of like the seven deadly sins. We have envy, you know, with the washed up Steven Seagal, John Leguizamo character, and then we have sloth, which is Julian's mama letting mm-hmm. all these lets all this abuse happen. Did nothing to stop the husband from uh, abusing everyone. Um, greed. We have the, the tech, tech guys, yeah, they're embezzling. And then Lust, Judith Leith's piece of shit husband. And then Pride, Lillian and Ted, who believe mm-hmm. the dinner is just for them, the critic and her cuck. And then Wrath is Julian and the other chefs, who they murder everyone. Wait, so who is Nicholas Holt? What is, is he? He's gluttony. But in my head, he's more in Pride land, you know? So I kind of feel like this... This whole little tidbit might be a stretch, but I, I could definitely see it happening. And maybe we should do seven on the podcast. That's one of yes. my favorites. And in fact, well, I'll talk about this a little bit later about when we talk about screamers and streamers. So we'll discuss a little bit about David Fincher. Oh, okay. So. All right, bring it. Oh, um, to set my mind down a little bit too hard. So Chef is confused still why Margot is there. He's saying, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. You're not part of the plan. And he wants to know if she is with them or with the guests. And he yes. makes it clear nobody is leaving this restaurant alive. And so I think he recognizes in her there's like this divide between people who are customers or consumers and people who are service providers. The and so givers and the takers. The givers and the takers. And he recognizes that she's a service provider, I think. She doesn't know necessarily that she's a prostitute or a, or a high-end escort. Mm-hmm. But he recognizes... That she gives some kind of experience, much like yes. he gives an experience. An experience, and I think this is what this is what the movie really becomes about the the way the service providers learn how to play with their customers, which is what um, Julian is doing this entire night, right? Mm-hmm. In this final menu that he's concocted, he's manipulating the customers to do what he wants. But it's and because he's do. at the end of his rope. He is yes. artistically not inclined anymore. He has lost his inspiration. He is beaten up by society. He's depressed. Exactly. But where is um, Lil Anya at with her career as a as a as an escort? She's kind of not giving a fuck and she, not really she's playing. She's good at what little... she does, but she's desensitized. But she's smart. But she's also not playing along for little Nicholas. Yeah, she's still who she is. She's like, oh, are you okay that I'm not into this? Like, she says, I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to like what you... Because usually the escort would pretend to like what the client likes. Right. Right, which is what she ends up doing with Ray Fiennes. That is very And how true. she wins this game. Because the job of a sex worker, you're providing a service. You're providing an experience, a pleasurable a experience. Request. And it's usually less to do with sex and more to do with, like, the brain, the memory. Power the- or what you're not getting in real life. And, and she even mentioned in one of their encounters earlier... Of, um, and I didn't realize the first time, but I realized the second watching um, that she had hooked up with Judith Light's husband as a mm-hmm. sex worker. Apparently it's a small town. <laughs> so Rafe is asking, do you want to die with those who give or those who take? And we learned that she is a high-end escort. Rafe knows that his customers are a little traumatized and he offers a palate cleanser. It's tea time. We're going to have a little tea. And I thought the first time I saw this, I'm like, don't you drink that tea? Don't you drink that tea? I mean, it's not like he's going to poison everybody. That's far too boring. But I thought, oh, he's going to drug them, some poppy Wizard of Oz shit. And then 
you know, mutilate them saw style and serve them up on platters. And as Chef points out, each of their sins, he is fooled into thinking he can satisfy people who can never be satisfied. He reveals, Chef reveals the angel investor. Fill in the blanks. Jeff Bezos, Elon, Microsoft guy. It is proving that billionaires billionaire. can come in and have control of our political system. Like it's, it's happening. It's true. And um, control of our environment. Correct. And sustainability. Yeah. Right. And so he gets uh, properly put in an angel costume and sunk, in, just dipped into the ocean. And I wasn't sure if piranhas were eating him. Like oh my I had, God, no. Did no, you no. get, I, I, no. when I first saw the movie, thought I that? thought he was being eaten by piranhas. You know what? I kind of feel like I did too. I kind of feel like the something The second time I was just being drowned. <laughs> I, I actually rewound it because I'm like, oh, did, did I, in my memory, I thought he caught on fire and then they sunk him into the ocean. And, and then I saw it the second time. I'm like, oh, no, he's just bound. They, they put him in a little angel oh, costume yeah, and they slowly the dipped him like a chocolate-covered churro into the ocean. <laughs> he's part of the men. I people. might be hungry after watching this movie and discussing it. It's okay. We have this beautiful spread. We're going to eat it when we're done so we don't crunch in your ears. So his angel investor owns the island. He owns Hawthorne, the restaurant. And then the, the tech guys see their boss strung up. He slowly drowns. Magda from Sex and City grabs bottle number two, and I'm like, that's me. Bottle number that's... two? I feel like it's like bottle number three at this point. Yeah, bottle no? number three, probably. But she's like grabbing it all the bottom. I'm like, okay, here I go. The thing is, time is up for Margot, and she has to make a choice. Oh, that's side. right. That's right. So Chef calls her out as an escort. She belongs with the service industry. She likes to provide services. What I thought of for you for our most recent episode, Barbarian, and also the reference for Tessie's. Mm-hmm. When they're having this entire conversation in his little chef room, in his office, um, there are all these binders, and it's crudely written in Sharpie, enzymes, appetizers, reservations, and it is very BHS barbarian slash Tessie's. It's the serial killer with his documentation all around Oh, him. this is his, his little lair, his keepsake. Yeah. His little trophy. Which I would not have gotten if we had not just done barbarian. So... Fifth course. Man's folly. So this includes this whole charade where they take the men outside and they have 45 seconds head start before they send the staff after them to crap them, right? And it's very to Hunger Games. Them. Yeah, I felt, I felt the hunt. And I, here I thought, okay, so this movie is definitely about class warfare, right? So the, the, the poor are getting the, the revenge against the rich and all this stuff, right? And the service workers, the people who work in the kitchen. Well, while I agree to that, I think it's more gender biased. I think it is about all this sexual assault and unwanted advances that happen as a waitress, as a as a female chef, anything. It is a male-dominated kitchen. That's right, because it gets introduced with the story that he sexually harassed yes. one Catherine employee. Catherine Keller, yes. And then he, she has to stab him in his leg. But Catherine Keller shows up and she says, you know, it's her course, and she said that she refused chef's advances, calls him out in front of everybody, and then stabs him pretty viciously, and then he apologizes. He takes accountability for this. And anybody that's worked in the restaurant industry, they know that it is a very incestuous atmosphere. Hello, look at Vanderpump rules. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. a thing. So she's here to present Ben's Folly. Mm-hmm. And that's when the men have the opportunity to escape, to get a head start. All the men desert their ladies. All the ladies are like, wait. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie when they go back inside and they sit and at they the eat. table and they eat and they have cigarettes and wine. And then Margot reveals that she's Erin. <laughs> 
Janet McTeer lets it loose. He's like, fuck this. I'm having a cigarette. Who gives a flying fuck? I know. And then and then um, John Leguizamo, too, before he runs off, though, he goes, oh, I'm sorry. You know I'm awful. <laughs> and like, gives her the jacket, and yeah. she throws the jacket on the yeah, floor. Yeah, she's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, this is kind of like a little ladies moment. And they try to negotiate with Catherine Keller, who created the dish, of, oh, on the food critic says, oh, I can give you your own restaurant. This is delicious. They all start giving her compliments. It's oh, girls' yeah. night. And she's like, oh, I came up with the concept. Everybody dies. You start much. finding out at this point that a lot of the menu is not designed by the chef. It starts as the menu goes further in. Because it's about it's designed teamwork. by the underlings. And then, of course, they capture them. And I think the last guy gets an egg in his little chicken coop that cracked <laughs> me up the the cook for the the food critic he's hiding and because he's the last to be found it's just like a, a little hand <laughs> giving this egg dish on a on a platter um and then and then they, they bring all the men back they start apologizing they're like oh because they got caught so at this point we get um where Tyler is identified to cook and it's this, oh, this kind your of boyfriend Jorgos. got eviscerated. Yes. It's very what's his name? Jorgos Lagrov. That guy. The act the director. For those who love. don't speak G slash growling. Okay. Say his name. <laughs> that was please. the I, I will not say it. I'm not gonna be that cocky. He is <laughs> the director of the favorite. And the lobster. Yes. And poor things. The oh, upcoming and film. Dog Tooth. Dog and Tooth. Dogtooth. Dogtooth is hands down the most disturbing movie I've ever seen. I will say that is the most disturbing movie I've ever seen. And uh, but I am going to say I just give G shit about Greek names because I want you to say the name of the comedic actor in The Hangover, Zach Galifianakis. Ah! <laughs> Learn how to say it. <laughs> oh, I said it right. You said it right. Oh shit! For the longest time, you're like Galifianakis. <laughs> I can't believe, it's the drinks. But now... It's the wine. You can speak Greek with the wine? <laughs> Apparently with this wine. Okay. We've, so we've switched to a second wine, guys. It's another Paso. It's a bilingual one. And it's called <laughs> Textbook. Makes you smart. Mm, makes me smart. I can say Greek names now. Yorgo. I can, they spill out of my tongue. I can't say Yorgos. Yorgos Lanthinos. I don't know. Is that his name? I don't know. Maybe I said it right. We have to look that up. Okay. Okay, so... That's fucking hilarious. The humiliation of my ex-boyfriend, Tyler, a.k.a. Nicholas, Nicholas Holt. Holt, when he's finally given the chance to cook. And I found it, I don't know, very jarring and disturbing when, like, Ray Fines go, Cook! Cook! Isn't that what you want to do? Isn't that what you want to be? You want to be me? And it's so disturbing the way he says, Cook! Cook! He's repeating an abuse that he got. Mm. I think something, someone said that to him. So you unlocked he, a trauma yeah. in yourself. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. And so he's forced to like frantically create this awful dish, which they appropriately call Tyler's Bullshit. So Chef has pumped his ego. It's been a long game for eight months. They've been emailing each other back and forth. And that's when it's revealed that, you know, Nicholas knows what's up. Tyler knows that they're there to die. And he voluntarily sacrificed Margot's life. And then she gets angry as she should and then i just love rafe saying oh yeah you know what a pucko jet is and he's just really gassing him up you're so knowledgeable you're so yeah but then when you're saying the cook 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 thing he's gordon ramseying his ass up like it's uncomfortable the fact that his hero is doing this to him um so he he cooks frantically and then we get that (laughs) tyler's bullshit thing and i just loved it said undercooked lamb Utter lack of cohesion. <laughs> Just spells it out. The chef points out that he bastardizes what he loves, which is what I imagine Scorsese talking to Zack Snyder or anybody that makes a Marvel movie of like, 
I gave you art for how many decades? And you want to do this, this CGI bullshit? I wrote down the, the, the movie shows the meaningless and self-importance. It gives, he takes himself so seriously. Mm-hmm. The irony is that he knows that he's going to die. He's willing to die for this fan experience, the ultimate fanboy experience, right? But he choked. So Rafe sends Margot on a mission. Of she needs to get a barrel. She needs to get a barrel, which is, I think, the, the, what's going to cause the explosion at the end. Right. right? Um, and, and he sees and that kind it's... Of, sidesteps Hong Chao. Yes. It makes her feel small and diminished. She was supposed to put out the barrel. She didn't do it. And at this point, the first time I thought, oh, he's giving her an opportunity to escape. Is this a trick? It was a really good um, toying with the audience the first time I saw this. Second time I go, did, was the barrel supposed to be there or is he still giving her an opportunity to like well, they find it out Well, reveals that she didn't know about the barrel when she's right before she oh, died. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so you, I think you might be right in your interpretation. This was never part of the plan. Oh. I thought I was really confused as to what the chef is doing by sending her there. And that's Got why it. she follows and her And that's there. why she's like, oh, you're going to replace yeah. me. And something yeah. whenever I was working at CPK and multiple other restaurants... They would remind us that we're replaceable. There's a million actor waiters off the bus every day and looking for a job. So I thought this whole final battle between Hong and Margot was really interesting. Two women going at it in Kill Bill fashion. To, to be second in command for what, like another hour? Because they're all going to die exactly. anyway. <laughs> but, it, but it's about that status, about feeling good. And I love the Paco jet comes full circle. <laughs> Elsa gets it to the head with the Paco jet and then a knife to the throat. So one of the things that comes up in this moment with the battle and all that is that I started thinking, okay, this movie's about status, class, wealth, the inequalities of these things, and what, the ha- what that has cost, and how this is applied not just to politics or to social classes and economy, but to art forms. Mm. There's an inequality in the way there's the people who are successful, rich, the Kim Kardashians of this world, and the people who are struggling mm. in what they do. The right? class divide is real. Yeah, and and again, the elimination of the middle class. I yes, think this the is elimination. very much a theme in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's very much something that's happening, unfortunately. Yeah. And a lot of us were like, where the fuck do we fall? Are we poor? Are we rich? Are we somewhere in between? Like, we're all like, one leg here, one leg there. Like, there's the thing is disappearing, whereas we grew up in a world where our parents were middle class, and this was a thing. Like, you came from the by. 50s. Yeah. You know, and that all shit is going away. Yeah. 1%, 99%. Very real. So after this battle with Hong Xiao, I want to talk a little bit about the chamber where the space that we're at. The which chamber is, of secrets? The chamber of secrets. Which I thought, it's, it tripped me up the first time I watched the movie, that the fact that there's this like a doppelganger set to the actual restaurant, it looks exactly like it. Did you notice? It's the same kitchen, same chairs, the chairs that I don't like and the tables that I don't like. Did it remind you of Kitchen uh, Plan? Or was that oh, the Oh, fuck that place. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. It was cold and sterile. And you're like, yeah. no. I hated the chairs. They crunch. Ooh, they that flatten is- your butt. I hated it. I hated it. No, that place is cursed. So, but no, but I thought that was from his passion. I think that he was like, "This is who I am. Let me elevate the experience because this is what I'm. This is what I like." I think it was. So why is there two spaces that look exact? One is one the rehearsal room for the other one. It's just like yeah, I think that's just how he likes things, and he wants to reflect the restaurant like his mindset. I think that's part of the thing. It is like Saw, like what you're saying. He's this is his mind. This is how he likes to live. So there's that silver door which they also have at the other place, but this one. Leads to his private chambers that has yes. all these like past 
successes, these newspaper clippings. And, and I wrote is, my notes, Psycho House. I know yes. that we were talking about Psycho, but I'm like, it's but the it taxidermy scene. it like a fucking nuclear bunker. Like, I can't go into the military element of it all. Like. Yeah. And so this is where we he- where we see the successes of No couches of this in this, G. No, it's so uncomfortable. No warm lighting. And this is where we learn about his first job and his employee of the month picture where we look at very young Ray Fiennes flipping a burger. And his face. Happy as a clam. <gasps> Did I say it right? Okay. Everybody at home, <laughs> this is a note. And I wrote this. The first time... That G used the term <laughs> happy as a clown. He's like, oh, you know, she's bopping around, happy as a clown. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you mean happy as a clam? No, a cl- clowns are happy. What, what the fuck is this clam? Who's happy as a clam? So, Anya finds the radio after looking at the picture of Chef, young Chef flipping his burger, looking happy as a clam, brings back the barrel to the restaurant, completes her mission, does not escape. Right? Because I thought, this is the time to go, girl. Um, and then this is the moment when the um, Coast Guard shows up. We find out that in the midst of her shenanigans, she has done a radio call to the Coast Guard. And the boat goes, wah, wah. And so in the middle of Rafe giving a very self-important, um, I have the hands of a chef. Look, they touch any temperature. Like a godlike complex. And then he's starting, he's, he's quoting Martin Luther King. I mean, this is kind of a real housewives narcissist moment. Yep. Like a Lisa Barlow moment of like, I do so much for the people kind of thing. Um, everyone is psyched. They're like, thank you, Margo. You took one for the team. You're going to get us the fuck out of here. There's a moment of hope. The Coast Guard comes in. This boatman is like, I recognize you, John Leguizamo. Can I get an autograph? Mm-hmm. Leguizamo writes the autograph. He says, help us. Get and us did the he say help us here. or did we imagine that? No, no, he said that. He does he say that. Because yeah, yeah, I he thought he just that. gave him the note and then he pulls the gun immediately. So I thought it was up to us to even think that he wrote that. No, no, that. he read the note. He no, read no, the no, note. I saw the okay. note. I saw the note. He's, he read the note. I said, help us. And so then the guy pulls out the gun. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, there's this moment where like, oh my God, we're saved. We're saved. This guy is crazy. And then he Get lights a down. candle with a gun because it's a lighter. And then it's all part of the plan. He joins the team in the kitchen. He's so one of them. What we're not realizing here is that Rafe is playing everyone like a piano with his strings, with his puppet strings. Anya turns around and claps. She takes control. She takes control. And um, like Janet Jackson gives the speech about you know, cooking without joy, without love. I hated every. Even your hot there. dishes are served cold. Exactly. It was scathing. I think, as a as a master of her craft, she's learned who he is by looking at what he does, by looking at his photos in the bunker, by observing his behavior. She so sees she, what he is lacking in his life, and her request is servicing him in a non-sexual way. They're both getting each other off. She gets to live. He gets to make his first love, his first joy, the cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. He gets to relive that. It's his rosebud. It's a Citizen Kane moment. Yeah, it's a Citizen Kane moment. And so she orders the cheeseburger. And apparently, if this is a kind of behind the scenes little factoid. The, all of the food that was put in this movie was all fake. Mm. Um, the only real food was the cheeseburger. Oh, and apparently when which made scene, it so highly coveted. Yeah, yes. Oh. So apparently when this scene was shot, everyone was starving. And so John Leguizamo ordered cheeseburgers for everyone. 
Not only did the food prop guy make it look good, but her chowing down on the burger. I mean, it just looked like a Carl's Jr. commercial. Oh my God. Remember back in the day, Paris Hilton would be like, I'm so sexy and I'm eating this burger. I'm like, I don't give a shit about this, but I don't even eat red meat. But I'm like, that's a good looking burger. Like it was so juicy was- and like the toasted sesame. So she dictates, she's just, she wants a cheeseburger, nothing deconstructed, nothing fancy, just a fucking well-made cheeseburger. And that's what the title card reveals. Supplemental course. <laughs> And it's the sesame bun, tomatoes, lettuce, the melty American cheese. As Rafe points out, it doesn't split. Like the emulsifier that Jenna makes here could not get over. <laughs> Which split, right? So, um... And then Anya figures out, oh, can I get the rest to go? If, if my eyes were larger than my stomach. And so they play act this thing, and he accepts the fact that she has given him the joy that he's missing. The entire purpose of what he was doing this entire night is gets thrown out the window because she just figured him out. Yeah, she gives $10. gives $10. The sex worker gives the customer Exactly, and $10. he brings the little bag, and there's like a little, you know, gift bag that everyone gets. Which the, she gets swag. a finger. Margo speeds off in the Coast Guard boat. Chef sets himself and the restaurant on fire. The the kitchen they have goes the s'more. They do the s'more midsummer thing, which took me out of it for a second because it was so midsummer. They get marshmallow vests, they get a little chocolate cap, and then the chocolate dusting on the floor, and they set it on fire. He's ablaze. It was a little too midsummer, but it it kind of reflected so the beginning. Because my colleague Diana does not like this movie and does not like midsummer, and I think it's because of the, of the ending, the ceremony, the ending. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like this ending for some reason. It triggers. I just didn't her. like that one part. I mean. It was fine, but I was just like, eh, whatever, I could do more. But um She wipes her mouth with the menu. And the menu, they do give this to you at fancy like for Enigma, because they're like, This is what you had tonight. It's like what you were saying earlier about the photos. Like, I'm not gonna ever fucking look at this again. Like but some culinary foodies would be like, Oh, remember when we went here and this is what we had, this delicacy? Nah. And some other places, not to be as pretentious, they'll give you the food order ticket from the, the back of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But she wipes her mouth with it. Could give a shit. She's chowing down on that burger. This is such a coincidence. We decided to do this at the very last minute. And Jack and I went to go see Nick Cave in downtown on Saturday night. We went to the Orpheum Theater, which was so gorgeous. Of course, the show started late. We're looking for places to eat. And we were so hungry. Kitchens were closing. We're like, do we really want to spend all this fucking money on some food? We're we're just hungry. Let's just get it done. Let's find something. And we're a little bit fancy. We're kind of like what Bruce Wayne's parents look like the night they were murdered. Like, we look fancy and we're running through downtown alleys. Like, we went to this... Gee, this is not your spot. Okay. But (laughs) I had this end of the movie moment. We went to this place, overly lit, fluorescent lighting, cold hard counters... It was next to one of those scary hotels, like the Alexandria or some shit. There was a guy running around in a medical gown who told Jack he looked like Elvis Costello and that I look like Poison Ivy. And and then somebody, some other guy had like a, a house arrest bracelet on that was clearly broken. Shady ass spot. We had the best goddamn burgers of our life. I had a chicken burger. He had, a, he had the real deal. But it was that melty American cheese that charred meat and the fresh lettuce and the fresh pickle and the toasted sesame bun. And it was the best burger. And we talked about it for days. I'm going to top you with it. When you go out in West Hollywood to a club or in Silver Lake, 
I'm thinking of MJ's, this club that no longer exists. And you party online, you have drinks, and you come out, oh, and there's that Mexican lady with the hot dogs that look like they came oh, out. that's Jack's weakness. He's like, oh, that smell. It smells so good, and you <laughs> eat that, and it's the best fucking thing you've ever had because you're drunk and you're starving and you don't want to you don't have time to make it to swingers i don't know what it's in there do you get it cream could be cheese a dog i don't know do you have cream cheese on it in seattle they always serve oh, they cream, cream cheese, cheese on it no yeah. mine was just like the dog with the spices with the onions and the onions and the, peppers. and the peppers and the spiciness and fuck the twelve thousand dollar meal a $5 hot dog is all you need. That's all you need. Clink. Clink. Streamers and screamers. Okay. Before really we take quick. it out. Um, since we talked a little bit about him earlier, I want to recommend David Fincher's The Killer, which I went to see a couple of days ago. And so I walked to this movie knowing nothing about it. So it's just so it starts. Michael Fassbender, it's called The Killer, it's David Fincher. And it has a soundtrack by Nine Inch Nails' mm. Trent Reznor. And I don't want to give too much away. I highly, highly recommend this movie. This Can is I very, watch this from home whenever it comes to streaming? I think it's a Netflix movie, so it'll, yes, it'll oh, be on Netflix. Cool. But it's very cinematic and it's very immersive. So make sure you watch it with a good TV, with good sound. The sound design is phenomenal. Okay. Go watch it. It's like nothing you've ever seen. So I binge watched American Horror Stories, which is a spin of American Horror Story. They released four episodes um, around Halloween um, because of the strike. They only could do shoot half of them. They're all self-contained episodes. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And so these four episodes, particularly the first one, because I really enjoyed the past two seasons of American Horror Stories, not so this the main event. Pretty Stories. good. So the first one is called Bestie, and it's one of the most unsettling things I've seen. Okay. <laughs> it's about this girl. She's very lonely at school, and she meets this pal online. So she watches. I'm just gonna give it through, I'm not gonna give anything away. Just so you understand the strangeness of this. So her whole thing. She's lonely. And she's her mom had died, has died, and so she connects with this like drag queen who does like goth horror makeup and meets you another know, a term person. For this. It's called grotesque burlesque. Yes, so she there's a grotesque burlesque, and so she meets. There's all these people who you know you watch things on YouTube, and then people are commenting. There's like a live chat. Okay. So at the end, everyone leaves the live chat when the live stream is over, and there's this one person left there, and then they a watcher become, in the woods. Yes, and then they connect. And they become friends. And I will leave it there. Okay. So good. So we're going to sign off. Um, All right. Hold on. Um, Don't eat too much turkey, motherfuckers. (laughs) I like like how at the end of our episodes you get Doja Cat. (laughs) Or Nicki Minaj. Yeah, motherfuckers. Okay. This Thanksgiving, keep the fights to a minimum, the eating to a max, and make sure to enjoy your food. Taste. Don't eat. Don't eat. I like that. Bye. Bye.